story five of gulliver the great and other dog stories by walter a dyer this librivox recording is in the public domain story five justice at valley brook the doors of madison square garden had closed at the end of the first day of the big show elegantly gowned women and men bearing baskets and hampers were hurrying downstairs from the toy dog section ying tao mrs dupont's idle-faced piccanese was giving his mistress no little concern by reason of a touch of hoarseness in his voice he had been protesting all day in his sharp little falsetto bark against confinement and unwelcome attentions mrs dupont took him out of his basket and carried him in her arms whereat sixty-four nervous irish terriers set up a tremendous din and strained at their fastenings as though famished for a taste of chinese blood here and there a solicitous owner led out his favourite on a leash causing vociferous envy among his rivals the airedale ortheris came within striking distance of the irish setter o'hara's duke and created wild commotion by lunging at the glossy red-brown throat then the lights were turned low and there was a lessening of the racket the old-timers were already sound asleep on their straw and cedar shavings champion dolly the pure white and much powdered english bull who had become quite blasé toward blue ribbons lay snoring loudly through her punched-in nose prince rupert the lordly great dane gave voice to one booming protest and thumped down in his narrow quarters the attendants went about with pails of water filling the dishes little emily the coal-black cocker sat stiffly erect holding her dish in her teeth this was not the only trick in emily's pack but she considered it her most effective one patsy the white bull terrier stood with his four feet on the back of his stall and howled miserably for his departed master gradually the noise diminished to the low mutterings of ordinary conversation except for an occasional bark here and there and the ill-timed insults hurled back and forth by the impudent fox terriers especially the wire-haired bunch from oak park illinois one of the occasional barks came from beneath the silky ruff of young sir donald a handsome sable collie who in four months had won eight points toward the fifteen required for his championship and was naturally not a little set up about it he was promptly answered by the laird of dundee who had been snappish and irritable all day oh shut up said the laird roughneck retorted sir donald in a manner not at all creditable to his brooklyn training the laird was a bit out of coat this season and hadn't got a smell at a ribbon puppy he growled and curled up on his straw poor old laird laughed sir donald he'll never see blue again all the same said pretty lady jane of bryn mawr sir donald's right-hand neighbour i think the laird is very distinguished-looking and they say he was a great favourite at the edinburgh show two years ago perhaps our heir doesn't agree with him something disagrees with him that's sure they must have queer taste in edinburgh well he's genuine scotch insisted lady jane i love the way he burrs his r's burr nothing retorted sir donald i understand he came from glasgow and no doubt he's got lowland blood he talks as if his mouth was full of chicken bones if you want to hear a genuine burr you ought to listen to jock of the hills a little west highland white they've got at our kennels he's a pleasant little old chap too 
but he said good morning as if he were growling at the milkman lady jane laughed politely she was proud to be stationed next to aristocratic sir donald but she did not wholly like him on sir donald's left was the formidable entry of the valleybrook kennels seven collies of royal blood as a whole they looked upon sir donald and his somewhat vain loquacity with antagonism somewhere down the line a voice was raised in taunting challenge to the would-be sleepers sir donald answered in a tone of boisterous raillery then up rose the abbot in the midst of the valley brook group and shook his chain look here young feller said he to sir donald let me give you a piece of advice if you want to look like a whippet mud in the ring to-morrow all you got to do is to stay awake and keep up your infernal yappin and by the third day you'll be so on edge that you'll be snappin at every lady that wears furs that will look real pretty for a blue ribbon dandy won't it sir donald subsided a trifle abashed but in the face of lady jane he felt he must keep up his air of bravado who's your majestic friend he asked of the old tricolor at his left who occupied the last place on the valleybrook bench old scotch raised his tan eyebrows a bit and looked at sir donald his nose resting on his paws well, that's the abbot he replied tersely three times a champion and now a back number grunted sir donald old scotch did not answer he was a back number himself and he knew it but there was no wiser dog in madison square garden that night than old scotch born in scotland he had been taken to british columbia when still a puppy and trained to handle sheep when only three years old he had saved a baby from a burning cabin and six months later had brought his master to the aid of a stranger who had fallen and broken his leg when shooting in the mountains that was why he had later come back east with the hunter and had been given a place of honor in the valleybrook kennels where his sagacity and advancing years had won for him the place of a nestor among the valleybrook collies sir donald knew nothing of this he looked upon scotch as an amiable old scout a bit too short in the muzzle too wide between the eyes and too heavy in the shoulders to qualify under the standard he wondered why they should bench old scotch at all old scotch had been regarding sir donald all day and though he deprecated the bumptiousness of the novice he could not help admiring the fine young animal all he needed was a little training again the laird of dundee lifted his voice down the line and again sir donald leaped to his feet and answered then at the farther end of the valley brook bench there rose a great blue merle with a wonderful head and turned a pair of austere blue eyes upon sir donald that will do said he in a low tone that nevertheless reached sir donald's ears distinctly and left him more humiliated than he had been when the abbot rebuked him he slunk down and pretended that he had decided to go to sleep he did not look at lady jane presently sir donald turned his head a little toward old scotch that was champion roderick dhu wasn't it he asked that was roderick dhu replied old scotch just opening his eyes they say he killed rob roy of valley brook is that so asked sir donald in a fair fight returned old scotch loyally sir donald thrust out his head and took a good look at roderick the big merle had curled up again and was apparently fast asleep on a card above him was the word reserve 
sir donald experienced an unusual feeling of respect not unmixed with wonder roderick dhu did not look like a murderer sir donald drew back again and turned an inquiring eye upon old scotch the veteran was watching him with disconcerting intentness at length he asked did you ever see rob roy no replied sir donald meekly rob roy said old scotch was a sable a little heavier than you and a little darker he had the head of a prince and the heart of a wolf but the judges don't look for heart attributes and so rob roy got a champion stuck in front of his name he was a fixture at the shows and always attracted much admiration on account of his fine head which he got from his mother old mary queen of scots his yellow streak he got from his father carlyle's tom who was shot by a farmer in a sheep pasture this is the first year in six no seven that rob roy hasn't been on his bench at the westminster show yet you are the only one i've heard mention his name now i'm going to tell you about rob roy and then you'll understand why he isn't talked about by the collies of valley brook sir donald settled down and old scotch crept as far over as he could so that lady jane might hear rob roy was not a dull puppy but he was obstinate there were some things that he would not learn for one thing he would steal dinners no matter how much there was in his own dish he persisted in sneaking the choicest bits out of the others of course that won't do in kennels like ours we have to have peace and the only way to preserve it is to create a feeling of confidence through mutual respect of property rights it took two whippings by our kennel master and i don't know how many nips from the rest of us to teach him that lesson gradually he learned the wisdom of respecting rules and traditions but the black blood of the sheep-killer was in his veins and many of the things he learned did not sink into his heart jealousy of course is a normal impulse of a dog you can't love as dogs do unable to tell your master or mistress about it and be free from occasional pangs of jealousy but such pangs ought to pass quickly and leave no ill effects in rob roy jealousy seemed to act like poison rob roy and his sister elizabeth were born at valley brook and from the time they opened their eyes miss lucy up at the big house picked them out and made pets of them they were certainly a pair of merry little rascals as they grew up she continued to treat them as her favorites and to take them walking with her the rest of us began to take it as a matter of course rob roy's jealousy was at first harmless enough and rather absurd if miss lucy patted elizabeth or any of the other dogs rob roy would come dashing frantically up yelling me too me too here i am and would nose in between miss lucy and the other dog of course miss lucy just laughed at him and so did the rest of us one day however the bad streak came out the abbot saw it i didn't believe it at the time miss lucy had been paying most of her attention to elizabeth who was strutting about with a big bow of pink ribbon at her neck rob roy had no bow and was getting very little attention his usual tactics were of no avail in fact he was so persistent that he annoyed miss lucy a little and she put her hand on his nose and gave him a vigorous shove out of the way rob roy knew she meant it and he was angry and resentful he snapped at miss lucy think of that he tore her sleeve and i think he must have scratched her arm 
he saw at once what he had done and pretended to be playing crouching and bounding off as if to attract her attention she was easily deceived and she forgave rob roy but the abbot wasn't deceived and marked him down for what he was miss lucy had another pet a little black bouncing pomeranian named trixie she wasn't much of a dog but miss lucy loved anything soft and fluffy and joyous rob roy was jealous of his sister but his hatred of trixie passed all bounds it was a sullen red-eyed hatred which didn't always show on the surface the abbot said rob roy would kill trixie and he did he watched his chance and waited with a patience worthy of a better cause then he caught the poor little thing alone down by the swamp one day they used to let her run about a good deal and came back with blood on his face and paws and the smell of the murder about him of course we all knew what had happened and the last shred of any good opinion any of us may have had of rob roy was blown away a couple of hotheads were for taking it out of his hide then and there but two or three of us older dogs held them in check the rule about dogs if not among men is always to give a dog one more chance and elizabeth who really cared for her brother pleaded for him so we decided to await developments perhaps the men would trace the crime to the culprit and take such measures as were fitting but they did not suspect rob roy they found poor little trixie to be sure dead and mangled but stray dogs had recently been seen about the farm and no one had observed rob roy going down to the swamp or returning so the time for punishment passed and rob roy went free he began to take prizes at bench shows and rode on the seat of the automobile with miss lucy but he knew what we knew and what we thought of him no one had much to do with him except elizabeth then came a day when rob roy attacked his sister it was jealousy of course something had happened to infuriate him perhaps elizabeth had been taken riding instead of rob roy anyway he set upon her back of the garage she defended herself as well as she could but she was smaller than her brother and he had the advantage of rage when she at last shook herself free and came running back to the kennel her neck and ear and foreleg were bleeding and she was in pretty bad shape now of course you know you must know that rob roy had committed the unpardonable sin the last remaining vestige of honour in a mongrel's dirty breast will prevent his attacking a female of his species with intent to maim or kill when rob roy returned he tried to carry the thing off with an attitude of bravado and indifference but it didn't work we knew all we wanted to know and rob roy knew that we knew he was bold and truculent enough at first when the hotheads stalked slowly up to him with their heads low and the bad look in their eyes they circled round him and one or two of them growled a little rob roy began to lose his nerve and to slink a bit then the abbot who was elizabeth's elder half-brother came trotting up from her kennel with dread purpose in every line of him straight to rob roy he came and thrust his muzzle into the sable's face coward he growled rob roy drew back and showed his teeth the abbot was old enough to display a more judicial attitude but his blood was up and it was fighting blood 
one of the hotheads encouraged by the abbot's actions rushed in with a snarl and nipped rob roy in the foreleg the sable turned on him savagely there was grit in him it must be admitted but he was attacked from the other side and turned again then the abbot closed in and there was a quick grapple and break suddenly the hotheads were brushed aside and old roderick dhu calm and severe stood between the abbot and rob roy this won't do said he you're not a pack of wolves the men will be here presently and there'll be whips and hot water and no end of trouble wait till to-night and i will settle with rob roy the abbot protested but roderick forced him back and rob roy slunk off to his kennel that night in the moonlight after the men had gone to bed roderick called rob roy out back of the kennels and bade him stand up and take his punishment then roderick leaped upon rob roy and bowled him over and the battle was on it was a fair fight and no favour mark that rob roy had youth and strength and endless malice and we knew that old roderick was taking his life in his paws the merle had size and experience and cunning but he was no longer young at first there were the usual fierce rushes and feints with their tacks on wind and nerve twice old roderick went over before rob roy's impetuous charges when they stood together on their hind legs in the struggle for a grip they looked to be an even match then they came to the clinch lady jane and sir donald lay quivering with the excitement of the tale even old scotch's nostrils betrayed agitation and in his eyes there was the fire of a stirring memory i have seen many fights in my day he continued good fights and bad and i have had my own taste of blood and hair and have felt the agony of the throat grip and the laboring of the lungs but never have i known such a fight as that one they broke and clenched and broke again now one of them would seem to catch the deadly hold only to be shaken off and fall victim to the quick return lunge of the other it was a fight to the death and they both knew it again and again rob roy's youthful strength thwarted the well-directed attack of roderick again and again the sable's powerful crushing charges were checked or turned aside by the big merle's weight and skill then roderick dhu suddenly went over squarely on his back before a side lunge and rob roy leaped upon him with a murderous snarl but it was an old trick of roderick's which rob roy had never learned and was too blindly furious to grasp as he fell upon roderick the merle parried with both his forepaws and rob roy's teeth snapped together in roderick's ruff just pinching the skin with a quick upward thrust roderick caught rob roy full in the under part of his throat in a mighty throttling grip and held on rob roy gave a great heave and lift which raised roderick's shoulder clear of the ground but he could not shake off that firm hold then followed the part that i do not like to remember the death struggle of handsome young rob roy it was pitiful to watch but we knew it was justice with the pain of that throat-hold sapping the strength from his limbs and fighting horribly for breath he wrenched and twisted and heaved in a last agonized effort to break the deathly grip on his throat all his dash and vigor were gone it was pitiful 
in the ears of lady jane the occasional yapping of the fox terriers sounded trivial and irrelevant sir donald did not hear them at all finally rob roy lost his footing and slowly deliberately roderick dhu rose above him and finished the job the men found rob roy's body next day and took it away they seemed to be much puzzled they found the marks of battle on roderick but they knew his settled temper and thought he must have been attacked by rob roy they put him off by himself for a time and watched the rest of us but nothing happened and things drifted back into the old groove again i don't know how much they ever understood for a time old scotch was silent and sir donald watched him furtively his young heart swelling with the martial pride of his race but lady jane bless her could not restrain a certain curiosity isn't elizabeth here she asked no replied old scotch with an indulgent smile just at present she is very busy back at valley brook with five troublesome little fuzzy babies lady jane subsided in evident embarrassment but don't ever speak to her of this old scotch hastened to add more seriously rob roy was her twin brother you know she never left her bed during the fight and it was well for her that she did not at the mineola show last june a noisy old english sheep-dog started to question her but she turned away and made no reply presently old scotch gave a little chuckle there's a notch in roderick's ear and a bunch on his neck still said he if those blind judges had noticed them he wouldn't be sleeping under that reserve sign to-night sir donald rose and stood for a moment looking down the row of valley brook collies great sprat cried the obstreperous laird of dundee leaning out from his bench aren't you fellows asleep yet but sir donald did not reply he was silently studying the sleeping form of roderick dhu end of story five